informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for letting us be part of your day as we wrap up another week. We're going to be talking about taxes with CPA Paul Neifer on the program today. Yeah, New Year, a lot of things happening, some changes. How does the government shutdown impact things? We'll talk with Paul Neifer about that. We'll talk trade with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom Slate will join us. What is he hearing from our customers around the world and How are tariffs and these trade issues impacting our sales of feed grains around the world? And we're going to talk with Alan Bjurga with the National Milk Producers Federation. Public comment period drawing to a close uh, to get comments in about the the labeling of uh, milk and uh, more specifically the use of the words milk and dairy on imitation products. So we're going to talk about that. A little bit later on. We're going to start it off with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, dueling uh, bills that didn't go anywhere to try to deal with the government shutdown. Where are we today? Well, uh, we're, uh, you know, there's a little glimmer of hope here after, if you want to see the shutdown in it. Uh, I, there is definitely some restlessness among Republicans in the Senate, and that's where this thing was probably going to come down to all, all along. I uh, closed to a meeting with, uh, yesterday afternoon, actually ran into the start of these, uh, the first of these votes, uh, with Vice President Pence, and they apparently got an, uh, an earful, as did uh, Majority Leader uh, um, Mitch McConnell. There's uh, definitely some uh, restlessness, um, like I say, uh, among the Senate Republicans, uh, this is, uh, you know, wanting to get this done. We've uh, now, uh, with this weekend, uh, federal workers, whether they've uh, been working or they're furloughed, uh, will have missed their uh, second uh, straight paycheck. So I, I would say that each day goes by, the pressure does ramp up. It's just a matter of can they find some solution here that allows both sides to somehow come out looking okay or look like they they won and they're whatever they're they're pushing for so uh that that makes it tough but uh yeah with each day, passing day and passing week uh, with more and more people impacted it really does ramp up the pressure doesn't it yeah it should be telling uh, to me anyway i talked to uh uh, Senator John Hoven from North Dakota, who's the uh, chairman of the Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee, uh, which actually controls uh, his budgets for uh, USDA and uh, FDA. And I asked him, I was asking him about various issues uh, with the you know, FSA reopening and so forth. And I asked him if he was concerned about uh, this going into March when the USDA is going to run out of money for food stamp benefits, uh, SNAP. And he said, uh, flatly, no, uh, we're trying to get this uh, shut down, uh, uh, wrapped up. Well, NRCS, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, has uh, stayed operational during the shutdown. But starting in February, February 3rd, it looks like, uh, what, about 30% of those employees who are not in field offices will be uh, will be furloughed. So it's going to start impacting NRCS as well. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, they've been trying to move money around in accounts. Uh, 
NRCS was funded. They were funding through the, the mandatory program authority. Uh, you know, FSA now is uh, you know funding through uh, various uh, various accounts uh, uh, in the department. And uh, you get into you just run into more problems. They're going to cut their plan at uh, Farm Service Agency is to cut back to three days a week. Uh, uh, you know, eventually. So it's it's a really it, it's really a challenge. And you know, they one of the reasons they really wanted to get these farm farm service agency offices opened is a concern about operating loans and uh, farmers who need to borrow from USDA have just been not been able to even get started on that. Yeah, you kind of, now you're starting to see uh, they're starting to pick and choose who's most essential, who's not, uh, uh, also which uh, which agencies they want to find a way to get open, and you can, you know, a lot of speculation on the reasons why some are, some aren't, but uh, that's what we're getting into now. Yeah, well, it's obviously you want to, depending on your, your side in this uh uh, <laughs> this battle, political battle, you you want to you want to alleviate the pressure on your side, the political pressure. Obviously, the more concern the administration was getting from farmers and, and farm organizations, and, and uh, lawmakers are hearing from the country, uh, they wanted to deal with that. And um, of course, it, you know, it would have been politically cataclysmic if they had not gotten the uh, food stamp benefits out in, uh, in January earlier. If that, uh, meanwhile, that had run out. Yeah. Meanwhile, we now have the members of the uh, of the ag committees uh, looking at the House side. Interesting that former chairman Frank Lucas is not going to be on the committee. Yeah, he told me that uh, the leadership came to him and they said, we need your slot, uh, you know, as the this gets tougher when you're when you go to the minority because you lose seats, um, which means that uh, if you don't have enough people naturally leaving the committee, either they retired or they were defeated or they got uh, promoted to a, another committee, uh, they you you have a you know real competition for seats. You have these new freshmen coming in from rural areas; they want seats. So anyway, they came to Frank Lucas and said. Well, you know, you can keep your seniority, but we would really like to have your seat. You know, he knows that there's, you know, we'll retain farm bills. Not going to be a huge amount uh, on the agenda for the ag committee, so he's uh, stepping away for a few years, but uh, has the option of uh, coming back. So that opened a seat for for one of the freshmen. It's going to be interesting. It's obvious that the incoming group of Democratic. Uh, legislators, especially on the House side, they have made it clear that climate and environment and these issues are going to be a priority for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's the case on the House Ag Committee. Colin Peterson hasn't really indicated that so much. Yeah, he's uh, he has he has said at one point that he's gonna he's gonna be under some pressure to do something. His initial reaction, I asked him about this, well, back in December. And his initial reaction was, I, "We don't. There's no need for us to have a hearing on climate. I mean, what's Ag going to do? And, you know, so forth and so on." He kind of changed his tune a bit uh, a couple of weeks later, um, and said, "You know, going to be under some pressure to do something." Um, 
and obviously uh, over in the Senate, uh, uh, Chairman Pat Roberts, Republican, has said he definitely plans to, um, you know, do at least one hearing on uh, on climate change. It's probably going to focus a lot on what agriculture can do. I suspect you're going to hear a lot about the importance of uh, biotechnology, gene editing, and so forth in terms of uh, developing traits that are um, will help farmers uh, be more resilient to drought and uh, uh, more uh, efficient. Uh, obviously, they like to be more efficient in nitrogen use and so forth. So uh, I think you'll see a lot of focus on, on, uh, on that. Right. Um, All right, Phil, we are out of time. Side. Yep, well, okay. I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about that in the future. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, okay, great to be here. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. We'll talk taxes next here on AOA. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Family Fire. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 
1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we don't like to talk about taxes. Don't like paying them. But we need to keep up to date on what's going on with them and what we need to know. So we bring in Paul Niefer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, except I'm in Des Moines and it was like minus five this morning when I got up. So uh, yeah, it, although, uh, I know there's other parts of the country even colder than that. Yeah, some really cold weather for sure. All right, Paul, let's, uh, we've, got, we've got a new year. Um, do we have any new things we need to keep in mind tax-wise? <laughs> Uh, we do. Uh, matter of fact, on my birthday, I can't believe it. They did it on my birthday, but the uh, IRS released the final regulations on 199A, and uh, most of it was probably good news for her, a lot of our farmers. But for a lot of our farmers, it's actually maybe some bad news. So, as, as with anything dealing with uh, tax law or changes, there's always winners and there's always losers. All right. Can you fill us in? What What do we now know? What are the, the latest details? Yeah, here's the latest details. So, uh, you know, under the proposed regulations, uh, most of our farm operations, you know, the farm family has a rental activity in one entity or mom and dad own the land and son is renting that land. And we were concerned because brothers and sisters weren't considered to be sort of one person or related parties. The actual final regulations indicate that all of the family trees, so to speak. So if grandparents are living, that goes all the way down to cousins. They're all treated as if they were one person. So that's really good news. That means that all of those rental uh, entities, as long as they're not a C corporation, that's that's where the losers comes in, that all of that rental income is going to qualify for the new uh, 20% deduction. What came across that was bad news is that if a C corporation is paying that rent to that entity, none of that rental income then is going to qualify for the 199 20, a 20% deduction unless you can have it rise to the level of a trade of business, which gets a little bit more complicated. So, matter of fact, I was swapping an email with a, a tax provider in, I think it was Iowa, matter of fact, and they said they have 250 C corporations and they may have to switch them all to S corporations because of that provision. So, this is definitely going to affect a lot of farmers around the country. Hmm. As you said, we were waiting and waiting to get those details. Uh, it took a while to get them. Yeah, although, you know, when you're talking the IRS, uh, for them to actually release uh, final regulations on a new tax law within almost a year, I mean, it was 13 months, uh, actually for the IRS, that's pretty fast, uh, believe <laughs> it or not. So, uh, I mean, we still have the other provisions that... Uh, We've never gotten a release on it, and the provision is more than 10 years old. So uh, it's wow. just one of those things. Well, along those lines, are you waiting for any other information? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the one that we're really waiting for is, in, in, in even in the final regulations, Iris, that they have not issued or have not even, I think, worked on these. I'm, I'm not sure. But all of our farmers that deal with a cooperative, and, you know, most farmers, not all, but most farmers sell at least some of their products to a cooperative. That income that they receive from the cooperative, the payments that they receive for selling that grain, 
if it's received before the fiscal year end of the cooperative, so let's pretend like the cooperative year end is June 30th of 2018, all of those payments between January 1 of 18 and June 30th of 18, none of them qualify for the bonus uh, or for the new 199A deduction. But we don't know if that means we just pro rata allocate income or loss to those payments or we have to reduce it by the full payment. So uh, that's a big deal. Most of our farmers that deal with cooperatives, I've been telling them, and I think it's really coming true, uh, we're really not going to be able to file the return by March 1. Or if we do file it by March 1, they got to be warned that likely it may end up having to be amended, and that's not a fun process. Hmm. We're talking with Paul Neefer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Paul, how or is the government shutdown impacting the IRS and, and what's going on? Yeah, I, I I don't think it's impacting it that much. Uh, they're they're all most of them that deal with the e-filing and processing of tax returns. Uh, those people have been treated as if they're essential employees, so they're still working uh, at the at the IRS. Uh, I think even some of them are being paid um, now. If they are not being paid, eventually, you know, a lot of those people are probably call in sick like we have with the TSA and so on. But uh, uh, we haven't really seen too much of a slowdown, um, and they already indicated that they'll be accepting uh, individual returns, I think, January 28th or 29th, which is fairly normal. You know, that's the normal time that they start accepting those returns. Uh, but again, the only tax return I think that I can even file right now uh, for a farmer is probably a corporate return. Uh, I know I can't file an individual, I can't file a partnership, I can't file an S-corporation tax return, and may not be able to file those for at least a month. So that's kind of the updates. Uh, it, just the the usual, the regular reminders that you uh, give to your clients this time of year, things for them to keep in mind should be doing? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think this is a good time. Uh, you know, a lot of people come in when they meet with their accountant. All they want to do is talk about taxes. Uh, I actually think this is even a better time to talk with their accountant because the accountant knows a lot of those details about their farm operation. You know, ask the accountant, you know, what can I do? Uh, what do you see that would help my farm operation operate better or be more profitable? Uh, I was just speaking at the Land Investment Expo, two, or excuse me, that's today. I was speaking at the uh, ag boot camp over in Iowa City on, on Wednesday, and we were going through that process of how do we convert these cash spaces, financial statements that we use for tax returns. They really have no meaning for, for management purposes. How do we convert that information so it has more meaning? How does it help our, our, our farm operation? Uh, I would certainly want to, you know, if you come in and meet with your accountant, ask those questions. And then also, uh, just realize you know, your chance of filing by March 1 this year uh, is somewhere between slim and none, in my, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't want to make any m- missteps, and you also don't want to miss any opportunities that could help you. Yeah, and, and the thing is, for most of our farmers, they didn't pay much tax last year anyway. So even if they don't file by March 1, let's say they file on April 15, the penalty for, for waiting that extra month and a half in most cases, it's going to be less than $100, at least that's what I've seen. And your cost to get an amended return done is going to 
far, well, not far. It's definitely going to be more than $100, plus it means you then have to deal with your accountant again and so on. So I would just caution my farmers this year, uh, you know, don't count on March 1. And I think there's a chance, especially due to the fact that the IRS hasn't issued any guidance on the patron side of it, there is a good chance the IRS is going to come out and say that the due date is not March 1. It's actually going to be April 15th. So uh, I don't know if I'd be bugging uh, you know, I, I think you still want to make sure to get your data in timely so that we have time to look at it, uh, but don't necessarily count on, on filing it by March 1. Seems like lots of things are getting delayed this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, hopefully, you know, start some of the rumors. Now we finally, it sounds like we have some Senate Republicans telling the Trump team, uh, get this shutdown done. You know, that, that finally, uh, maybe that'll push them over the finish line, but uh uh, who knows? You know, we're dealing with politics. Hey, you're out there on the speaking circuit. What are you hearing from uh, farmers and landowners? Uh, are they do they have some particular concerns, or just looking for the latest information? What are you hearing? Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, I think they're looking for uh, additional information. It was interesting. You know, I've done the ag boot camp. This is my sixth year in a row. And I was thinking, well, maybe we would have less people showing up this year because, you know, times are a little bit tougher. Actually, we had record attendance. So I, I, I think people out there understand that, uh, you know, when corn was 7 or $8, it was pretty easy to make money. You know, when it's 3 or $4, you know, you got to work out a little bit harder. You need to, uh, you know, sort of sharpen the, the blade in your toolbox, the financial toolbox, and, and that's what they're doing. I, I don't hear a lot of gloom and doom. Uh, I, I hear quite a bit of, well, this isn't great, but, uh, you know, the yields have definitely helped out. The the MSP payment on the soybeans for those people that are in the soybean, uh, grow soybeans, that definitely helped out. So, you know, I would say cautiously, not pessimistic, not necessarily overly optimistic, but a little bit of optimism. All right. Well, Paul, uh, stay warm, and thanks for the latest. And We'll stay in touch as uh, we get more information and see how some of these dates and deadlines may uh, indeed be moved and changed as we go along. Thanks for the update. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Take care. Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen, the uh, latest information that you need uh, on the tax situation. Been some, uh, as he mentioned, uh, some information they finally got that they've been waiting on, and uh, more uh, more questions out there, perhaps uh, to be answered here in the very near future. Perhaps, well, but as we see, a lot of things are getting pushed back. Uh, with all that's going on right now or not happening in Washington, D.C. Well, what's happening with our exports? What are we hearing from our customers around the world? We're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. 
from the American Ag Network. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels. America and the Ad Council. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network with a morning market check. Grains are expected to be mixed today on export confirmation and trade talk news. Wheat needs confirmation of recent export business before moving higher, while soybeans await more yield reports from Brazil and headlines from the trade talks. Corn is also waiting for trade deals to be agreed upon, including the heavily rumored purchases of U.S. grain by China. We did see weekly ethanol production fall by 20,000 barrels per day. March corn is down a half at 376.5, May down a half at 384 and three quarters. Soybeans for March down one, 915, May down one at 928 and three quarters. On the wheat market, March wheat for Chicago down three and three quarters, 517 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat is down four for March, 507 and a half. Minneapolis wheat for March is down two and a half at 573 and three quarters. March canola at 487, that's unchanged from yesterday. Livestock, cold weather is causing problems in the marketplace. Packer interest was expected to show up on this Friday with bids expected to be similar for the last couple of days, but the ability to gain access to livestock is likely to move prices steady with last week at least firm pressure expected to continue through the lean hog trade. Taking a look at those livestock markets, February live cattle down 7, 125.27, April down 30 at 126.17, feeder cattle for March down 30, 144.02, April down 32, at 145.05. Lean hogs for February down a dollar seven, fifty-eight seventy-five. April down a dollar thirty at sixty-two twenty. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we've not talked in a while with Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Want to check in with him now to see what uh, he's hearing uh, from our customers around the world. Tom, thanks for being with us. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. 
Always important to hear what our customers are saying, and especially when we have all the tensions and tariffs and the issues we are dealing with right now. So what are you hearing? Well, you know, in terms of the marketplace, uh, you know, we're still, you know, very strong, very strong on on, on corn exports, uh, very strong on ethanol exports. Uh, uh, you know, again, we're still in a very competitive position right now, I thought, although I think we might start seeing some of our bigger customers uh, start to switch to South American origin, but right now we're still holding firm, particularly in places like, uh, you know, uh, I'd say Korea, uh, you know, uh, Thailand, uh, not Thailand, Taiwan, and uh, and Japan. All right. We talked here on the program yesterday a lot about the tariffs and the, the harm that they're doing uh, uh, on steel and aluminum with Canada and Mexico. Is that affecting uh, grain sales or feed grain sales at all? Not yet. I mean, I think, again, in Mexico, we continue to, to have really strong market share there on corn. I mean, obviously, we're concerned about, you know, the pork and the dairy and things like that. But we're still very strong on corn sales into Mexico and are actually seeing a little bit of ethanol start to ship down in there as well. So it's there, but, it is, you know, the whole, you know, 232, the steel aluminum tariffs, it's a constant subject of, of discussion, uh, constant. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, Mexico, Canada, uh, Canada being a big ethanol importer. And, of course, now we're hearing a lot of it from Europeans as we uh, start to heat up a little bit of talks about a, a FTA with, uh, with Europe. So it, it is always there. It is always, uh, we're always asked about it, and, um, you know, we're not seeing a whole lot of progress on that one yet. Speaking of not a lot of progress, I, I find it difficult i have throughout uh, since i started talking in about getting a deal done with europe uh it seems pretty difficult i mean they've indicated they really don't want to address ag issues we know there are a lot of big ag issues that need to be dealt with uh are you at all optimistic that uh, something's gonna get worked out on some kind of a free trade agreement with the european union well sure you, uh, don't ask me when <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think well, the one thing. Anytime pretty... soon? <laughs> no, <laughs> no time soon. But especially with the Europeans, Mike, as you well know. But I mean, um, one thing I've been really, really pleased with is that you know the Americans are sticking to the guns. The administration is really sticking to their guns about keeping ag into this uh, into this equation, and that's really important. And so now they've got this sort of step by step approach. They're going to you know take sectors. You know, step by step, and and not excluding ag, but ag's probably going to be pushed towards the end, and we know ag is going to be the most contentious. So, I mean, don't get your hopes up. You know, these things never never go quickly, um, but we'll watch throughout the year, see when we get going again. Right now, we're not there's not a lot of action on the trade uh, negotiation front because of the shutdown, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm encouraged that ag still is going to be part of it, but it's going to be long and it's going to be drawn out. We're talking with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slate. All right, so the focus, is, as usual, is on, on China. What are your people in China telling you about the, uh, how all this is being viewed over there? <laughs> yeah, you, you get, just like here, you get varying uh, different opinions. Uh, some say, you know, these, uh, these tariffs are really starting to hurt. You know, China, their economy has slowed down. I think a lot of people are about that. But we know the Chinese has sort of been in the economy has been in a slowdown mode for for several years now from their days of, you know, consistent year after year their double digit growth. 
But I think, you know, I do believe we're getting encouraging signs that China does want to negotiate. Um, and I think there is a little bit of rhetoric out there. Uh, you know, some of the hardliners don't want to get pushed around by the U.S. But the people that uh, we talk to, uh, there does seem to be some optimism leading into this uh, next week where there's going to be, uh, the, you know, Vice Premier is going to be in here in Washington. Um, moving forward, I think that, uh, you know, the agricultural items are still on the agenda, although, you know, the number one topic is going to be intellectual property and uh, and reform on that from the China part, Chinese part. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still a little bit optimistic. Uh, the demand there is still strong for the products that we have to sell, even despite this uh, African swine uh, fever. But um, uh, they're still strong there. Uh, there's still a lot of interest in ethanol, but we've got a lot of um, big big issue topics to get through first, again, the intellectual property. So there's still interest, but how hard is it to, to in this current climate to really sell into to China right now? I think if there's any kind of movement on agreement on some of these other subjects, I think it could happen very quickly, uh, particularly, uh, you know, uh, corn. I mean, some of the uh, analysts in uh, China are, are predicting a, a, a very strong corn import uh, year for China, 10, 12, you know, million tons. I mean, I, I don't, you know, GMO is still a factor there. we got to work, work through all that. But the demand is still there, Mike, and um, and there's, again, a lot of demand still there. There's a lot of interest in things we have to sell, including ethanol, uh, because of their commitment to go to E10 by 2020. You've mentioned ethanol a few times. Uh, what are your th- thoughts on the uh exports of ethanol this year you see a big year ahead i I see a continued strong growth i think you know we've put this uh, goal out of four billion gallons it's sort of an internal aspirational goal but i I believe that we're going to get up to two uh uh, two billion gallons um uh, this year uh and i think we might be halfway to our goal We're, we're we're making steady progress on it it's going better than we thought I do believe even without China, we're going to see continued growth, uh, particularly I think we might see uh, a breakthrough in Japan where the first uh, U.S. corn-based ethanol will be going in there in the form of ETBE. But, again, we're making progress. Uh, that's, that's working. And other countries, uh, India, I think there's you know, strong demand for industrial and ethanol for industrial use. Uh, that's going well. The Brazilian demand stays strong. Um, again, like I said earlier, we're seeing a little bit of it trickle into Mexico. That's that's encouraging. Um, you know, yes, there are still problems out there. There are still some, some trade issues that we're working through almost every single day. Uh, but, you know, we continue to make progress. And, again, it's a very competitively priced product right now in the marketplace, and the world is reacting to that. Well, it is encouraging, then, that, uh, uh, I mean, there are those opportunities out there, and it sounds like uh, it could be a good year for those ethanol exports. Uh, let's, uh, let's look at the government shutdown. Is it impacting uh, things around the world as far as uh, your work and trying to get things done? Uh, what uh, what impact does it have? Well, you know, every single day the uh, shutdown continues, my anxiety level raises a little bit. You know, Mike, you well know that, you know, the Grains Council operates, and I think one of the best public-private partnerships in the whole uh, U.S., uh, United States, you know, the the Foreign Market Development Program, Market Access Program, and, again, the, the new program that Secretary Perdue was uh, wanting to, to, to unleash, the Agricultural uh, Trade Promotion Program. 
all these programs are shut down. Uh, you know, we had really good success with the Farm Bill by getting these programs reauthorized, basically the Foreign Market Development Program, the Market Access Program. They're reauthorized. The Farm Bill was, was passed by a healthy margin, as you know. But we are, they're, with the government shutdown, we have zero uh, movement on, you know, the, uh, you know, the budget decision memos we get that actually implement the Foreign Market Development Program, Market Access Program. So we've had uh, we've had several programs that have been postponed. Uh, again, I underline the word postponed, not canceled. Um, but right now, we've had to ask our staff around the world to more or less uh, stand down because we do not have authorization for, for, for program money for for the foreign market development program or the market access program. Uh, there's been no announcements, obviously, on the agricultural trade uh, program. And so uh, we are focusing our efforts uh, on activities that are absolutely essential, activities that can move the needle on demand in the near term, uh, and any kind of trade policy issues we have to chase down. But we have ratcheted back in terms of, uh, of a very aggressive program. And this is not the time to be having your folks uh, stay home and not engage in uh, global market development activities. Yeah, I was thinking about those programs, and the good news, you got those back in, you know, in good shape in the farm bill, but now the shutdown keeps those from being implemented. must feel like you're out there trying to work with one arm tied behind your back almost. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. But, you know, again, we, there, there's things we, we, we can do and are doing. Uh, uh, we're moving forward, again, with programs on a very selective basis, uh, things like this Japanese ethanol thing. You know, we're doing some things there. Uh, again, with the support of our our good members around the world, uh, around the country, who are their their funds are being put to good use to keep these programs alive um, in this time of uh, uh, the uncertainty on the federal money. Are you hearing anything about talks with Japan? Well, yes and no. Uh, the we were just there last week, and the Japanese basically say we're ready to go, uh, ready to start talking. But again, with the shutdown. Uh, you know, uh, USTR has been furloughed for a couple, about a little over a week and a half now, two weeks. Uh, so we, you know, we have to have these negotiations commence, and so they're not they're not commencing. Uh, and with Japan, you want to keep things moving along here because there are some uh, some legislative elections coming up in the spring, and that usually gets things a little uh, things start to get delayed when when you when you have that happening. We want the talks to get ready and going. Uh, one of the lead negotiators from the Japanese side, you know, we were talking to them last week, and you know, they basically said, "Hey, we're ready to go," uh, but uh, right now we're we're still at the starting gate. So, well, Tom, thanks a lot. Some interesting information. Great update there. Uh, hopefully, some of these things will get worked out. Get this shutdown over and uh, get to moving on these market programs, so you can get out there and uh, move uh, move our feed grains uh, to these markets around the world and ethanol products. Uh, Sounds like a lot of potential, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for being with us. All right. Thank you, Mike. President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slate. Good update there where we're at with the government shutdown and, and some of these trade issues. All right. We've got another deadline coming up on a public comment period concerning dairy. We'll talk about that next here on AOA. All right, crew. Let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban 
or rural. You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. If you don't know where to look, it's easy to miss something big. Sometimes the answers to our biggest challenges are found in the most unexpected places. The clean energy solutions we need are right in front of us. Always have been. Opportunity is everywhere if you know where to look. See the world differently. Poet. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? 
You gotta go grocery shopping. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, consumers continue to weigh in on the labeling of imitation dairy products. Joining us now to talk about is Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation. Alan, thanks for joining us. Uh, interesting polling on this topic. There has been some interesting polling on this topic. Um, and they've just come out in the last couple of weeks. Um, we've been asking, or at least... Dairy Management Inc. has been asking, not necessarily us, um, has been doing some polling on consumers as far as their attitudes toward what they think the FDA should do on plant-based imitators of dairy products. Um, and uh, what we are finding is, first of all, by about a three-to-one margin, um, consumers are saying that the FDA should do something about this, um, that this is a problem in the marketplace, and that it should be existing. It's ex- enforcing its existing standards, which, of course, say that a dairy product is the is the product of a, a dairy animal. Um, it, it seems so simple, but when you take a look at the proliferation of plant-based imitators, it's a rule that is not being honored um, in the breach by uh, some of our competitors. We've also had another survey that has come out asking the question simply, should uh, plant-based imitators be allowed to get away with this? And what we have found is that only one in five consumers think that they should. Um, they're really in the almond beverage camp on this. Uh, knowing that the FDA has a standard of identity, they'd like to see the standard of identity enforced. And what was interesting about that survey was that even if you narrowed the range of people asked to people who only drink the plant-based alternatives, i.e. people who don't drink dairy products, they don't drink milk, they still only buy a two in they still only two in five of them uh, believe that that the FDA uh, shouldn't be forcing enforcing its standards of identity. So even people who are consuming and prefer those products still don't think that it should be called a milk. Um, and I think that was a pretty illuminating figure that we found in those studies. Yeah, that's interesting. Does your surveys indicate that uh, there there's uh, consumer confusion? Are people mistakenly thinking that the, these imitation dairy products have nutritional uh, uh, benefits associated with the, that come along with real dairy? Are they thinking they're getting that when they uh, consume these imitation products? Yeah, that is one of the key points that we've been making um, in the FDA comment period that is actually ending on Monday. I'm trying to get consumers and, and folks with a concern in this in, in this issue to speak out and tell the FDA to enforce their standards of identity. These particular surveys didn't focus as much on those questions, and part of that is because earlier surveys sort of already answered them. Um, you know, there was a, a survey that was released uh, done by Ipsos, a very credible uh, research firm, last fall that showed that about three-quarters of consumers um, were who were buying almond beverages 
were thinking that they had as much, if not more, protein than a dairy product. You know, the reality is is that it's usually about one-eighth the amount of protein. And then this isn't just a consumer, you know, awareness issue. This is a public health issue. Think of the percentage of dairy products that are consumed by children. Now, think of those parents who they want to do the right thing for their kids. We're not casting any aspersion on that. But for whatever reason, they believe these plant-based products give a, a, a healthier alternative, give their children the nutrition they need. They simply don't. Um, and, and getting the FDA to enforce its standards of identity um, is one way to help those, those, those parents maybe be informed or at least be tipped off that, hey, this isn't a dairy product that you're feeding your kids. It's not something that's giving them the nutrition they need. You might want to reconsider your decision. So you mentioned the public comment period on this ends on Monday. Do you have any way of knowing how many comments are coming in? Well, we do know how many comments are coming in. At this point, there are more than 12,000, and it's growing by hundreds by the day. What the problem is is that we haven't seen what a lot of those recent comments are. They're publicly available, but because of the government shutdown, um, we haven't been seeing new comments as they've been emerging. Um, Obviously, we need every comment um, in favor of SBA enforcing its own rules coming in. Um, www.nmpf.org, that's the acronym for National Milk Producers Federation, NMPF. Um, That is uh, where people can go to get the resources and the information they need, as well as a how-to as far as to comment before the FDA. Any indication when FDA will rule on this once the public comment period is over? Zero. Um, And that's not just because of the government shutdown. The shutdown clearly complicates things because it just makes all government actions be slowed down. But the FDA can decide to do or not do a lot of things once these comments are in. They, they take a period to consider them. That period of time is undefined. Um, they can make a decision. Clearly, we want them to start enforcing their own rules. Um, but they also can decide to just do nothing at all. I mean, there, are, there have been rules that the comment periods have closed, and then you've never heard from them again. We want to make sure that that is not what happens with the FDA. So even after January 28th, we're going to continue reminding the agency that, indeed, they need to make a ruling on this. This is an issue in the consumer marketplace. They need to enforce their standards. And then we're hoping to get a decision as soon as possible. Uh, possible is going to be up to God and government, but we're crossing our fingers. Yeah, we've heard comments from FDA about enforcing, but uh, until we see the actions, uh, you know, we nothing's for sure. I mean, we've heard comments before. Now we need to see the action. We have. And, you know, this is something that National Milk's been talking about for about 40 years. And we are thrilled that the FDA is suddenly, you know, has decided to see the seriousness and, and take up this issue. You know, Scott Gottlieb's comments last summer that almonds don't lactate was pretty much music to our ears. We've, we've been talking for decades about this, and the fact that the FDA is taking this seriously and, and, and considering doing something is something we're very excited about. Now that we have this comment period done, now's the part where the FDA has to do something, and the gears of government can, can grind slowly and mysteriously. We want to make sure that the spotlight remains on this issue so the FDA does the right thing. Yeah, which is enforce existing laws. We're not have to talk about creating a new law, it just exists what's on the books, right? Well, hey, you said it. Um, we're not going to dispute your judgment on that one, Mike.
<laughs> Alan, thanks a lot. And uh, remind people again that uh, that comment period goes till Monday, and then we'll see what FDA does after that. Thanks for the update. Take care. Take care. Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation. So yet another way that the government shutdown uh, is having an impact on on this issue as well. Well, we'll see if there's any movement uh, over the weekend on the shutdown. We'll get updates on that and the trade talks and, and of course, weather as well coming up on Monday. Thanks for being with us today here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great and safe weekend, everyone.